And welcome everyone. We'll uh, begin our sitting now. As we sit together, just a small reminder. That although it is in some ways uh, virtual, we're sitting together in the Zindo. We've grown accustomed to it over the past couple of years. But sometimes we've grown so accustomed to it and our own particular surroundings, we don't exactly get the same feeling of stepping into the Zendo. And bowing toward the seat we'll take and to the Sangha and sitting upright without engaging those forms in a particular place. Sometimes we forget the, the dignity and uprightness and the intention of our sitting together. I, I know that you all know this and appreciate it, um, but I thought maybe it was worth voicing today as we, as we sit with each other and for each other and as ourselves quite specifically.
I think for many of us it's hard to appreciate the power of simply sitting because we're so accustomed to doing things being engaged in accomplishing things through activity and thought every wisdom tradition not just Buddhism, not just the forms of Zen, every wisdom tradition recommends sitting in silence not as a withdrawal so much as a deep, a profound and simple abiding and embodied presence. So we can become closer to that question which we sometimes voice and sometimes just hold in the background. Who am I? What is this? There's something powerful that opens on its own if we begin to soften our everyday activities of creating and maintaining and evaluating this self-image, this reflective self-consciousness, which we do so automatically and habitually. So we say just sitting to suggest we're not busily engaging in some new instrumental activity. But when we say just, it doesn't diminish the profundity of sitting. Our entire retreat coming up this weekend will be focused on silent illumination. <clears throat> and it's so wonderful to be able to sit together now. Like this. And this boundless distributed zendo. And yet, it's one mind and one heart, really. I'm going to screen share a different verse other than the robe uh, chant or the verse of the robe that we normally do. Uh, and I'll say more about it. But let's um, repeat this together. I'll make it a little bigger in case anybody has trouble. 
May all awakened beings extend with true compassion their luminous mirror wisdom. May the merit and virtue of our inquiry, along with our everyday practices, extend to all beings everywhere. May all be relieved of suffering, free from fear, longing, aversion, and ignorance. And may the way of awakening go on endlessly. We'll repeat that verse at the end, and I'll make sure that uh, it will be attached to the uh, recording of today's inquiry. So you'll be able to take a look at it. And so many of you will recognize it as a, um, a variation of the dedication that we do in our services. Uh, but it's shifted just a little bit as we uh, we say, may all awakened beings extend with true compassion their luminous mirror wisdom. It's such a beautiful poetic line, uh, an invitation. And then the suggestion that whatever uh, good that might come from our practice together through inquiry today and also through our everyday practices that we do on our own or together may this extend to all beings everywhere that's a suggestion of the bodhisattva vow and that everyone would be relieved of suffering that they'd be free from fear longing aversion and ignorance and may this, this way would go on endlessly that by our own practice we'd continue it so it's quite a, a lovely uh, dedication of our practice. It's um, one version of this we do in our practice discussion groups also. And the reason I wanted to bring it forward today is because I want to speak about this luminous mirror. Uh, and I, I sort of began speaking about it a little with our sitting. Uh, but I want to want to go a little little deeper. There's an alternative translation, by the way, that first line that I'm focusing on. May all awakened beings extend with true compassion their luminous mirror wisdom. Another variation I've read is and, and heard in services. May we awaken Buddha's compassion and luminous mirror wisdom. May we awaken through our practice. So there's the aspiration. By our practice, may we awaken Buddha's compassion and luminous mirror wisdom. The one we tend to use is may all awakened beings extend with true compassion their luminous mirror wisdom. So that's the acknowledgement of awakening as our true nature and what we rest in. So there's one way that suggests that we have um, an aspiration to awaken compassion and wisdom. And we want to acknowledge and invite the awakened wisdom and compassion in which we rest uh, to be reflected in our, in our own practice. I hope this, this makes sense. There, uh, there are two ways to look at it. But let's, let's go to a, a story to ground it uh, so it's not, not, not too abstract. Uh, some of you may have read um, this previously um, or heard the story about the Zen mirror of Tokeji. And this is a story from 13th century Japan, this, the same um, era in which uh, Dogen lived. Uh, the temple Tokeji was founded in uh, 1285 it was actually a few years after Dogen's death, later in the century, by a nun, uh, Kakusan-ni, 
uh, and was founded by this nun after her husband's death because it was customary at that time, not uncommon, for um, someone who had lost their husband, a, a woman who had lost their husband to become a nun. And she took this direction in her life and she decided to open the temple and dedicate it to the memory of her husband. And it kind of famously became a refuge also for battered wives who were attempting to escape um, abusive relationships. And it functioned that way for 600 years. So on its own, that's quite a powerful, powerful thing. And in the convent at Tokeji, they had a great mirror, an actual mirror. And this, the founding abbess, uh, Kakuzan Shiro, would meditate in front of it in order to, as she said, to see into her own nature. Um, and so all the generations of nuns that followed, that trained in that uh, temple, in that convent, would practice zazen in front of the mirror, concentrating on the question that the abbess had invited them to practice with. Where is a single feeling, a single thought, and the mirror image at which I gaze? When you look in the image, where is the thoughts and feelings? And then each abbess of Tokeji through the 600 years would write a verse sometime during their leadership time in response to the mirror practice. And there's a very famous one, the fifth abbess, Princess Yodo, wrote the following verse. Heart unclouded, heart clouded, standing or falling, it is still the same body. Heart unclouded, heart clouded, standing or falling, it is still the same body. You know, no matter what you think or feel, no matter how you evaluate yourself or judge yourself, whatever hopes or fears that you carry, the reflection you see in the mirror is only of your embodied existence, just as it is. That mirror doesn't show what you're thinking. It may show a facial expression, but that's just your embodied presence. All the things we take as so real and the virtual reality in which we construct and then move this body in the world, heart clouded, heart unclouded, standing, falling, it's still the same body. And that's what the mirror of Zazen and sitting reflects. Just this. And now, for us, the great mirror is the screen in front of you. We've been asked for the last couple of years to sit in front of a a great mirror in which we see ourselves. It's unlike sitting in the zindo facing a blank wall, or even if we turn around and face out. We see ourselves. And how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, how many of you try to hide so that you don't see yourself? And you'll say, oh, I don't like Zoom because I have to look at my own image. We minimize our image by making it small, or we turn off our camera. Heart clouded. Excuse me, the first line of her, the poem was heart unclouded. Camera on, willing and curious. Heart clouded, camera off, vulnerable, anxious, even ashamed. Standing or falling looking good or feeling like a failure or a klutz, it's still the same body of Buddha. 
this is what you're seeing. Have you noticed when you ask to come into the waiting room and then you're invited in, I think there's a little setting that says, uh, joining with video? You know you're going to join with video? What if this Zoom setting signifies an intention and an aspiration to open more than just the video settings? Join with video? May we awaken Buddha's compassion and luminous mirror wisdom. May we awaken, may we open up Buddha's compassion and this luminous mirror and the wisdom of looking into that mirror and the compassion that comes as we are willing to look in that mirror. That's joining with video. I'm not suggesting this is right or wrong. I want you to play with the ideas to open up this capacity. When, when you click on gallery view and you see all of us, and do you notice, maybe this is just me, do you notice as everyone comes online in the beginning, there's a certain feeling, a kind of, for me, it's kind of a swelling of gratitude and joy, a feeling of connectedness, as if we're joining with everyone else in this larger aspiration as we gather. May all awakened beings extend with true compassion their luminous mirror wisdom. Will I join? May, will I awaken Buddha's compassion and luminous mirror wisdom? Will I receive everyone who's coming forward and realize that may all awakened beings extend with true compassion their luminous mirror, mirror wisdom for me and for each other? When someone clicks the icon and raises their hand and comes forward in all sincerity, I'm sure that you must notice your resonance with them, a kind of a, a quickening. And in that moment, what's moving is, may we awaken. Oh, here she comes. Here he comes. May we awaken Buddha's compassion and luminous mirror wisdom through this next interaction. May we awaken Buddha's compassion and luminous mirror wisdom right now as the hand comes up and the person comes forward. And then as we sit with each person who risks being vulnerable, if they're sincere, by coming before the great mirror <laughs> of the camera, we all join together as if we're saying, may all awakened beings that we can see, all these little squares all over the world, may all awakened beings extend with true compassion their luminous mirror wisdom by together supporting and encouraging what's unfolding. So this is real. This is what we're doing. These are the questions that we, that we face as we look in the mirror that reflects just what is. I know many of you are quite familiar with um, the book, The Hidden Lamp, which uh, the subtitle stories from 25 centuries of awakened women. And they're, they're koans, they're teaching stories. Uh, Peg has a lovely chapter in the book, which I would recommend. And there is one chapter by Zinshu Earthland Manuel, who is one of my Dharma sisters, because she's a Dharma heir of Blanche Hartman. And she is uh, the person actually who put together Blanche's uh, teachings in uh, the book Seeds for a Boundless Life. She's the editor, author of that book. And she was asked to uh, reflect on the question of the abbess and, the, um, and this story. So if you go to the hidden lamp, you'll see her reflections on this very story. And I'm going to, I'm going to read just a segment of it because it's, um, um, Earthland is a poet. So her, her way, and she echoes in the beginning, the, um, question of the abbess that goes with the mirror, all those centuries in the monastery where she said, where is a single 
feeling a single thought in the mirror image at which I gaze. And, and uh, Zinshu goes further, she says, when we ask this question, at once we enter the purpose of our lives, which is to look upon our lives and discover who we are as living beings. This is the question I was asking in, in Zazen. Who is this? What is this? This is the primary question. This isn't a psychological question. This is the question of spirituality, of religion. What, what is this? At once we enter the purpose of our lives, which is to look upon our lives and discover who we are as living beings. She says, we enter a dark abyss in which we encounter our heart, mind, and body. And I don't think she means dark abyss as in something terrifying or awful. She means a, a place that isn't full of all the distinctions we're making in the light, as I spoke about a few weeks ago. And she says very poetically, on the journey of discovery, we fall through the sky. At times the sky is clouded and at other times it's unclouded. She's referring to the poem. On the earth, we plant our feet and still we stumble. What are the clouds and what takes them away? What makes us stand or fall? So these are the questions we ask with each other in inquiry. On the journey of discovery, we fall through the sky. What a beautiful line. On the journey of discovery, we open to boundlessness. Beyond our thoughts and feelings. Beyond our individual feeling self, we open to the boundlessness. And at times that boundlessness is clouded and sometimes unclouded. We attempt to ground ourselves in zazen, in our practice, in our relationships, and still we stumble around because that's, that's how we are. As Suzuki Roshi once said, we live continuously off balance against a background of perfect balance. What are the clouds? What takes them away? What makes us stand or fall? Those are the questions of inquiry. One of the nuns who wrote her poem, this is another, she said, various reflections Yet the surface is unscarred from the very beginning, unclouded, pure mirror. Everything is reflected when we look. But the mirror isn't damaged. It's unscarred. It's not changed. From the very beginning, it's just reflecting. And this is our primary awareness. This is awareness only. This is our consciousness. This is your awareness. This is your consciousness. The pure mirror is what's behind it all that doesn't move, that doesn't prefer anything, that doesn't change, that just sees and just reflects. Zenshu Earthlin goes further by saying, looking into a mirror may seem easy, but being honest with what we see is difficult. And we know this, right? And that's some of why we hide. <laughs> and she says there are many mirrors. A physical mirror can reveal expressions on our faces. Certainly Zoom can. The mirror of Zazen allows us to look into the heart and body mirror. Not the mirror of our thoughts, but just this. Here's another poem from one of the other uh, nuns. Even without a mirror to reflect things, every time one looks, there is a mirror reflecting things in the heart. In other words, <laughs> there's no getting away. And finally, Earthland says, if we're willing to look long enough in the mirror of Zazen, past seeing ourselves as objects, past seeing all the ideas we have about, you know, there, I see a reflection in the 
the window of a store as I walk down the street and I think, who is that old guy? It's like, oh, we're past seeing ourselves as objects. We have the potential to see that we are nature itself. We are nature itself, not true nature. We are nature itself. We are born and will die just as the trees, flowers, and animals in the wilds do. And, and sometimes as Azen, we can see that the mirror is clear, that there are no clouds. There's no dust. The human condition is set aside. Our preoccupation with ourselves is set aside. I'm not old, middle-aged or young. I'm fulfilled in my own spirit, she says. And in this recognition, I feel the connection to my ancestors, to those who came before me, and to a life larger than my own. I'm returned to an open field in which there are many possibilities. And this is what our inquiry offers us, to open to a field in which there are many possibilities. You know, when the Buddha looked into the mirror of experience when he left the palace in the, the, the story of the young Siddhartha Gautama's life, what he saw was illness, old age, and death. And a yogi who was awake. These are the things that confronted the Buddha in his mirror of experience. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read one last poem because uh, uh, I want to turn towards inquiry. And I'll also share this poem uh, so you'll have it later. I'm not going to tell you the author at first. You might know it, but here is both the, what would I say, the relentless clarity of the mirror and also what it means to struggle with what we see. So here's the poem written as if the mirror is speaking. I am silver and exact. I have no preconceptions. Whatever I see, I swallow immediately just as it is, unmisted by love or dislike. I'm not cruel, only truthful. The eye of a little god, four-cornered, most of the time, I meditate on the opposite wall. It is pink with speckles. I've looked at it so long, I think it's part of my heart. But it flickers. Faces and darkness separate us over and over. Now I am a lake. A woman bends over me, searching my reaches for what she really is. Then she turns to those liars, the candles or the moon. I see her back and reflect it faithfully. She rewards me with tears and an agitation of hands. I am important to her. She comes and goes. Each morning it is her face that replaces the darkness. In me she has drowned a young girl and in me an old woman rises toward her day after day like a terrible fish so there's the clarity and beauty in the poem of the exactness and that interesting perspective from the mirror and then the turn at the end the suffering the struggle sylvia plath wrote this in 1961 shortly after having given birth to her first child expressing her fears regarding aging and death as she had this child. And, and knowing that she had a fraught life, the mirror insists in her poem that its objectivity reflects the truth, um, but a truth that she feels in some ways in some days is terrible, reminding her of her mortality. And she searches for an image that reflects the way she sees herself and feels inside. But that's just samsara. 
because she only finds her ideas reflected back. The poem is published in the New Yorker, 1963. May all awakened beings extend with true compassion their luminous mirror wisdom. May the virtue of our inquiry, which we'll now enjoy, along with our everyday practices we all do, extend to all beings everywhere. May all be relieved of suffering, free from fear, longing, aversion, and ignorance. And may the way of awakening go on endlessly. And this is how it goes on endlessly by our meeting. So please raise your hand. What causes the mirror to be clouded in your life? What causes it to be unclouded? What helps you stand? What causes you to fall? If nothing else, look in the mirror. Look, look at your face. Not me, look at you. And notice everything that arrives as you do. And look past that. But do come meet me, please. There you go. Um, thank you. Um, I'm thinking about Sylvia Plath and she ended up killing herself. Mm -hmm. And she that, never resolved that matter, did she? That's right. And that's so. And how do we kill ourselves all the time? I know it's more dramatic and more tragic in her case, yet. How is it that we're unwilling to accept what we see? And to go deeper, not just accept as in, you know, kind of cave in, like, oh, well. But love and appreciate the preciousness and the sadness and the poignancy and the tenderness and the vulnerability. I've seen you for a really long time. <laughs> and you look older and no less beautiful. But you don't look the same and we have to be honest about it, really. Yes, that's for sure. And so do I. But does it make us any less beautiful to each other? No. I would hope not unless we stay with our ideas and then we do lose each other then we kill each other you know you were asking what helps us stand or fall and i just wanted to comment on how hard things are now in our area i don't i guess everybody's in the same boat but in san in san antonio you know in the there's really a big surge of, uh, you know, Texas is big leader and lots of Omicron everywhere, a big surge. And um, so even though, you know, my all I'm vaccinated and boosted and all of that, um, you know, my doctor still says, don't do anything. You know, you're just supposed to just not be with people. So. That's a really hard thing to not be with the, your loved ones and your friends. And, you know, it's January, things are cold and not fun to be outside right now. And, you know, it's so <laughs> there's sitting and sitting and thank heavens. But it's what helps so much is that interaction with your fellow human being. Is, uh, that why you, is that why you showed up today? Well, I, yeah, I've showed up on, you know, I try to show up all the time because this has been such a gift for the whole bleakness of the pandemic. There's so everything you're saying is part of the reflection. All that's true. And this is true at the same time. One doesn't negate the other. It's all true. And this is what we're asked to hold. 
Thus, the sky that's unclouded. Are there clouds? Yep. Sometimes called COVID, sometimes called aging, sometimes this and that. Can we become, live into, awaken to, whatever you want to call it, open to, unfurl ourselves into the fullness of what it means to be able to accept whatever is reflected? Now this, now this. The tall order. The alternative is a lot of suffering. Even deciding not to continue your life, like Sylvia Plath did. I don't want to, you know, focus on that as an example. It's just the poem was beautiful. It's a very beautiful poem, but there's such pathos in that she couldn't. Say... And you and you hear it at the end. Yes. Mm -hmm. Even though she had. She had what it took, but she couldn't step through. And you, you all have what you, it takes. Our job is to help us together. May all awakened beings extend with true compassion their luminous mirror wisdom so we can reflect each other and care for each other. Stay well. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, Becky. Hello, Glenn. Um, it, it's interesting what today's topic is in terms of some things I've been um, reflecting on, uh, which earlier earlier this week, um, I mean, in, in terms of thinking of some of our experience with each other in the context of Zoom, you know, um, that earlier this week, I... I looked about after we'd had our Zazen and we're just getting ready to have some conversation after Zazen. And I looked at everybody and I realized these people I've been sitting with have gotten more and more beautiful. And, and it just, it was just absolutely so, you know, <laughs> That's one of the things I, when I was saying during our sitting today, it seems like we're not doing anything. And yet something happens as we get ourselves out of the way. And one of the things that happens is we begin to see the beauty that's all around us. We see it. And I think there's enough of it that even if we were able to go back and take little clips of some pictures, I, I think that just because of the practice that people's faces soften in a way that, mm. and, and that the smiles that we talk about sometimes stick on our face for longer and all of those things. And so that was one of the things that, that mm -hmm. when you were talking that just sort of went, yeah. Um, and, and the other one that, that I uh, was, I've I've just moved into assisted living. That's what I heard. Just this weekend, and and um, it's one of the things I was talking about this morning was that uh, in a lot of ways I have this opportunity that's just amazing because so much of my time since since I joined into the practice with others uh, has been. Uh, that's been it for me in terms of a lot of my social interactions and so on. And it's been, it's been great sort of in a monastic sort of way to be able to take in the teachings and have a group of people that I can interact with in order to mm, start noticing things without it being too scary. And, and when I said this about the safety of it, when I was talking to my sister a little while ago, uh, she said, Oh yeah, the Zoom womb, and and in many ways it sort of is like that. Is is the real safety of being with Sangha uh, for exploring our mm -hmm. our well, adventures through the question. You may be too soon, but in the assisted living, I assume you're kind of in your own bubble. Are you able to be with each other? We are not doing very many things that are with each other, but oh. we passed we passed in the hallway. 
Uh, we might pass, you know, spend some time outdoors when we're going for a walk, one or the other, and bump into each other. I'm not bump into each other, really, but you no. know. <laughs> um, and well, I tell you, I tell you why I ask. When it's possible, I'm going to put a little bug in your ear. You could get together and ask people if they want to sit with you. Yes, I've actually already asked one person. Oh, good. There you go. <laughs> but, but I just, um, it, yes, I mean, we aren't able to sit down at a dinner together now, for instance. Yeah, but I've only been be able to sit far apart and do some zazen together. Yeah, yeah. So, so yes, it's it's something I've already spoken to with at least one person and sort of started hinting to Good. with a couple of others, uh, but. But I just, I also would like to thank the Sangha and especially my friend Sheila, who at least a few minutes ago was here, uh, because her sharing of her experience was part of what changed over for me, the seeing this as an opportunity for having an active role in the world beyond beyond the sangha right now right. and right. i i just have so much gratitude for her having shared that in a way and so i just wanted to to say that it's it's one of the kinds of ways that all of you don't all get to, the teachers and so on don't always get to see some of the benefit of your that's practice that's right but that it 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 ripples and ripples and i'm so grateful for that thank you and, so much and yes Yes, the mirror. And, and sometimes if people are feeling like, well, you know, oh, I look old. Well, aging has its own beauty. That's right. and, and also if people are open to how other people are seeing them, mm-hmm. we are all quite beautiful. And one last thing I would say, remember how people would like for you to see them. People want to be seen with love, like you're talking about. They want someone to see their beauty. So think about that. Thank you so much. And I'm glad that your your move went okay and that you had a helper. It's good. It's good. Hi, Judy. Hi. Hi. Um sort of feels even more nerve-wracking than usual today because um, part of what I want to share feels sort of a bit exposing and and I haven't really sort of had a chance to speak to my close friends that are here about it yet but anyway I -hmm. just really felt like I need to ground myself and Mm. um, I thought a good way to do that was to put my hand up even though it's just made me (laughs) feel quite nervous but um, anyway so yeah and and I haven't quite put together what the link is between what I want to say and and what you've said but your talk really spoke to my condition which is that um I've just recently started dating again Uh and (laughs) and I was sort of curious about um if and when I met somebody that I like whether I would how it would be now because the last time I was sort of dating was 17 years ago so it was right at the beginning of my practice really and how would it be now because I know my tendency towards sort of intensity you know there's there's it's quite addictive that sort of new relationship feeling so I have just recently had a bit of a, a I am having a bit of a whirlwind romance and the the feeling is exactly I've got as drawn into the feeling as I ever did that trance you know that's really compulsive and and I was a bit scared of that but actually there has been a difference because I have known I've kind of known on one level but it's it's a real trance and when you're when you're only in the trance there's no witness. Yeah. But you now have yeah. another level of consciousness. Yes. That's watching and going, yeah. I'm completely crazy. Isn't that interesting? 
<laughs> exactly. I've gone exactly. off the so you know, and it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. And, and it, so it's to, trying to get... To what? take care of that adolescent girl or whoever she is. It is, yeah. Yeah, is she, take yeah. care of her. She doesn't have yeah. to be stopped, but she needs to be held. That's right. So what actually happened is that um, whilst I was observing it, there's also something about when you're in it that you believe it as well. So I was no. kind of observing it, but, but believing the feelings. But then this morning, because um, you can't stay in that bubble. That, well, I can't now stay in that bubble in the way that I would have used to. So so this morning, the sort of, <laughs> I know. It was as if the sort of, you know, the the heartbreak of life, my vulnerability, it all sort of came back in this morning, you know, um, which I kind of wanted to avoid. But actually, there's been a lot of relief in it because it's kind of brought me back to myself and it's brought me here this evening. And, yeah, I think that's... And the person you're relating to will then be able to see more of you. Yeah. And the mirror that you hold up to him will be different and the mirror he holds up to you will be different. And yeah. that will be a deepening over time. Um, the initial part is fun and nobody wants to deny anybody that. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, but there's a, and, there's, and there's no rush to get rid of it, but weave it in with the rest of the maturity, which you, I've seen all these years in you. Mm-hmm. You're a remarkable woman who has a lot of wisdom and a lot of compassion, a lot of steady leadership capacity. You're very, very different. And so bring all of it to your relationship, including all the funds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're still going to be Judy. You know? Yeah. I think I, I think I kind of almost just wanted your permission to, <laughs> to do it wholeheartedly or something. But, I'm glad you, know. glad you heard it. <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely because you because you know what's going on i do and you know how it will go and as a more mature person you know it's sort of like we don't have time to mess around it's like okay we'll enjoy this but uh, uh intimacy um if we only elevate excitement over intimacy we would just wear ourselves out. Nothing wrong with the excitement, but if we keep it only at that level and not the intimacy, but as you go deeper, there'll be a quality of love and excitement that is beyond what you can say. And that yeah, will- and I, yeah, I think what happened was it wasn't even a choice. What happened this morning that I, I, you know, I kind of came into my vulnerability, but once I did. I had some real tears and um, it was a relief, actually. It was a relief, you know, to to go to that place and, um, yeah. The, the curriculum of your current relationship is moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, I'll just, just keep seeing what happens. <laughs> no, and keep letting me know. I will watch this space. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Happy for you. Rosemary. Hi, Rosemary. Excellent. Hi, it's so nice to see you. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing you in July in Cape Cod. Oh, did you Cod. sign up for Cape Cod? I did. I probably was the first one. I'm very excited. Oh, my excited God. I hope we get to see each other in person, yes. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Um, two, two, A few things. Two things that came to me about clouding my mirror. Um, One is that I'm often really um, upset with thinking that I have um, uh, upset someone else. Particularly if if I'm not hearing from them or I texted and they don't text back. And um, yeah, it's, and and sitting has helped me to sort of um, question that. And, um, you know, the, the reality is if, if that has happened and then the connection goes away, well, that was really their, their thing. But it took me a long time to get to this, you know, very, very recently. Um, 
The other thing is that I'm quite intimidated by the topic of our intensive. And silent elimination. Yes. Oh. I'm just, I'm feeling uh-huh. very, um, and I'm even reading the book with a few of the, the folks at, at Appamata. Um, and I'm responding and talking and, you know, but uh, yeah, it, it feels very lofty to me and I'm just, not, I'm not going to get any of it. And I, I woke up kind of worried about it. So, so so. It doesn't matter if you don't get any of it. Oh, okay. I'm serious. What matters is if you enter into the dance with us, the rhythm of sitting and speaking and walking and being with yourself in silence and being connected and enter into the rhythm and assume that it's a kind of a, a loving rhythm, a loving dance. Because that takes you into your body, into your heart, into presence. And that quiets some of those voices in your head and opens you to some more truth. And that's called silent illumination. You forget understanding. That's so cool. Do it like you learned as a dancer. Just practicing and being with others. Yes. What's opening now in you? What's happening? Just the way you um, described it. I get very caught up in um, the intellectual part and, and feeling that I just won't be up to it. And your um just the um you described it in a very um kind and um like um accepting kind of kind of way and all i'm doing is modeling i'm showing you what i feel and think and i'm modeling how you can be with those parts of you also so thank you for being a good dance partner. Because it takes a lot of vulnerability to follow. Thank you for leading. It's my great pleasure. Thank you. Oops, wrong thing. Well, I keep doing the wrong deal here. I've been trying to to um, go back to our chant. There we go. Here's our 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 verse. Let's say it again together, okay? May all awakened beings extend with true compassion their luminous mirror wisdom. May the merit and virtue of our inquiry along with our everyday practices, extend all beings everywhere. May all be relieved of suffering, free from fear, longing, aversion, and ignorance. And may the way of awakening go on endlessly. Thank you all so much. And... uh, Jessica, are you still there somewhere? I am. I'm here. Thank you so there much. There you are. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Flint, and thank you, everyone, for being here today. But especially thanks, Flint, for continuing this into another year to support all of us through all of this. Um, all of your uh, generosity for your presence and your contributions are definitely felt. And if you'd like to make a contribution, you can do so via the website. Um, please indicate on the form where you'd like the contribution to go to Flint or other teachers or, or programs or Alamada in general. Thank you. And now, if you'd like, you can stay for a while and chat with Maria and the other folks uh, in after inquiry. <laughs>